all of us to be able to learn from it, that we would be able to gather from these uh, passages and these texts, Lord, uh, a lesson in what you want us to learn. Everything's in the Bible for a reason. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to be able to learn from it. And Lord, I pray you'd help me to preach with your power and your boldness, and that you would meet with us tonight. We love you. In your precious name I pray. Amen. Amen. Alright, well we're there in Ruth chapter number 2. And I just, by way of introduction, I've got to explain a, a little bit to you. If you look at verse number 1, remember last week we were in chapter 1 and we met Elimelech and Naomi and, and their two sons and Ruth. And uh, But in verse 1 of chapter number 2, the Bible says, And Naomi had a kinsman of her husband, a mighty man of wealth, of the family of Elimelech, and his name was Boaz. Verse number 1 of chapter 2, we're introduced to a new character in the story, and his name is Boaz. Now what you got to understand, from here on... In this will help you understand what the Bible is trying to teach us through the book of Ruth. Boaz, in the story, represents the Lord Jesus Christ. And Ruth represents you and I. Ruth represents us, the believer. And Boaz is a representation of, of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand that these chapters, you know, sometimes we read these stories, and you think it's an interesting story, but I don't really understand the purpose of that story or why it's in the Bible. Everything is in the Bible for a reason. You've got to understand that. God doesn't just fill time. You know, He doesn't just have fluff. He puts verses and chapters and stories in Scriptures to be able to learn from it and to gather from it. And there's a few things we can learn from the, uh, the life of Ruth in chapter 2. Point number one... Is this, like I said, you've got to understand, Boaz represents, and it will become very clear in the next few weeks why Boaz represents the Lord Jesus Christ. But Boaz represents the Lord Jesus Christ. Ruth represents you and I, the believers. And point number one is this. I want you to notice in chapter 2 of Ruth, I'd like you to notice the price of Ruth's choices. The price of Ruth's choices. You say, what are you talking about? Well, if you remember, Ruth made a choice. You're there in Ruth chapter number 2. Go to Ruth chapter number 1 real quickly and look at verse number 16. Remember, remember uh, when Naomi's uh, husband died and her sons died and she looked at her two uh, daughters-in-law or, or uh, daughters-in-law there, Orpah and Ruth, and she said, go back. She said, go back to your homes, go back to your fathers, go back to your mothers, go back to your old gods, go back to your old religion. She said, I'm, I'm going back to Judah. And if you remember there in verse number 16, the Bible says, and Ruth said, entreat me not to leave thee. Or to return from following after thee. For whither thou goest, I will go. And where thou lodgest, I will lodge. Thy people. Notice what she's saying. She's saying, thy people shall be my people. And thy God, my God. Let me tell you something. When Ruth got connected into this family. And when Ruth got introduced to the God of Israel, to the God of Judah, to the God of Bethlehem, to the God of the Bible, to Jehovah God, she realized that her old gods and her old religion in Moab was a false religion. And she sold out to this God of the Bible. And when Naomi said, I'm going back to the promised land, I'm going back to Israel, and she said, you go back to your false God, Ruth said, I can't do that. She said, look, it doesn't matter if my nativity is in Moab. She said, from now on, my, your people, they're my people. And she says, your God is my God. And when Ruth made those statements, she made a choice at that point. She said, you know what? I am going to follow God with my life. And she said, if it costs me something, then it will. And, and, and notice, the Bible says, I said number one, the price of Ruth's choices. You say, well, what did it cost Ruth to serve God? Go to Ruth chapter number two. Skip down real quickly to verse number 11. Boaz is talking about Ruth. And notice what he says. The Bible says, And Boaz answered and said unto her, 
and hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband, and thou how and how thou hast left. Notice what it says: thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity, and are come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. Let me tell you something. I don't know if you you who, you ever been homesick. I remember when my wife and I first got married. We uh, left town for six months, running from the law. No, I'm just kidding. We went to Tennessee for, for, for a while. And I remember, we're both real homesick. And I remember when we came back home, I, I didn't realize it until we drove back into Sacramento for the first time. And when I started seeing streets that I recognized, there's just something about being back to a, pla- you know, to, to a place that you recognize. You know what I'm talking about? And... Ruth, you know, usually you and I would be very hesitant to leave the town or the city or the place we grew up in, to leave uh, your family and your mother and father and, and your, your comfort zone. But Ruth, I want you to understand, when she made the statement that your God will be my God, and she made the statement, your people will be my people, she wasn't just adding something to her life. She wasn't just adding God to her life. She wasn't just adding a new family to her life. She was separating herself from an old family. You understand that? She was separating herself from old gods. And let me tell you something. When, remember, who does Ruth represent? You and I. Who does Boaz represent? The Lord Jesus Christ. Where was Boaz in Bethlehem? Let me tell you something. When you follow God, and when you follow the, the God of the Bible, and you give yourself, I'm not talking about just getting saved, but you say, you know what, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to follow this, and this, this new God, this God is going to be my God, His people are going to be my people, His land is going to be my land, and so I'm going to sell myself off. You, you don't just add, you cannot just add God to your life. When you add You've got to leave the world. So what have I got to leave? Moab. But my family's there, I know. But my parents are there, I know. But my, my, the, the familiar places and the, the places of my nativity and where I was born and, and all the friends I've got and the jobs I've got, I've, I've got to leave all that. And Ruth, when she said, Naomi, I, I, I'm not leaving. I'm going with you. I'm going with you. She said at, at that moment she was making a choice. But look, there was a cost to serving God. And there's always a cost to serving God. You've got to understand, if you're going to serve God with your life, that there is a price. And Jesus said, I came to bring the sword. He said, I came to separate families. He said, I came to separate, uh, you know, uh, 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 mothers from their children. And you say, well, well, that's not good and that's not nice. But look, let me tell you you start serving God and you're going to find yourself separating from a lot of people. You say, well, well, is that, is that healthy? If that's the price you've got to pay, Ruth... Ruth had left a life of comfort to serve God. When she made the statement, Thy God will be my God. But not only that, not only did she leave a place of comfort, but you've got to understand that Ruth's choices of serving God had left her in a very bad situation. Ruth literally became a beggar. Say, what are you talking about? Look at at, uh, Ruth chapter number 2, look at verse number 2. And Ruth the Moabitess said unto Naomi... Let me now go to the field. Now, don't miss this. Ruth says to her mother-in-law, Naomi, she says, Let me now go to the field and glean ears of corn 
after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. Now, here's what you got to understand. You, sometimes we just read through that, and that's why you've got to study the Bible and understand Scripture. Go, go with me just real quickly to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus, in the, New, in the Old Testament, chapter number 19. Leviticus, chapter number 19. You've got Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus. Third book of the Bible. Leviticus, chapter number 19. To understand the story, you've got to understand what's known in Scripture as the law of gleaning. And in Leviticus chapter number 19, look at verse number 9. Now, the book of Leviticus is a book, you know, the, we, we talked about this a few Sunday nights ago. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy are known as the law. And, and in all of those verses, we're given the actual laws that the nation of Israel was supposed to follow. And here is one of these laws that they were supposed to follow, the law of gleaning. If you look at Leviticus chapter number 19, if you look at verse number 9, the Bible says, And when ye reap the harvest of your land... Thou shalt, notice what it says, not wholly reap the corners of the field, neither shalt thou gather the gleaning of thy harvest. And thou shalt not glean thy vineyards, neither shalt thou gather, notice what it says, every grape of thy vineyard, thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger, I am the Lord your God. I say, well, what does that mean, Pastor? Well, here's what you got to understand. In the Bible, God made a law, which we call the law of gleaning, which was this. When you had, when you were a rich person and you had a field, you had a harvest to glean, whether it was grapes, whether it was corn or wheat or whatever it was, when you send your men out into the field to harvest that, because that's, that's, that's how you became wealthy in those days, that, by having cattle and having farms and having property like that. And they had a law in the Bible. See, God took care of the poor and needy in Scripture. And notice, and they were able to do without a welfare program. Because here's what God said. God said, when you go out into your field, and He said, let's say you're, you're reaping a harvest of wheat. He said, you go out there, and you, you, know, you cut that wheat, and you pick it up, and you bring, you're bringing it in. That's what you're doing when you're harvesting it, right? He says, anything, He said, you're not allowed to go out twice to reap. He says, when you're out there working, and you're reaping, you grab, He said, anything that just happens to fall out of your hands. You know what I'm talking about? You ever been out gardening, or doing something, where you're pulling stuff, and you know, you're trying to gather stuff, and just somebody just kind of falls to the ground? He says, when somebody falls to the ground, he, he said, this is a lot. You just leave it there. You don't pick it up. You don't say, oh, we got to go back and grab. He said, you just leave it there. And he says, you, you harvest, and you work like you're supposed to. But anything that you happen to forget, anything that happens to fall, anything like that, he said, you leave it, and that food was left there so that the poor, the needy, the widows, the, the, the people that, that were without fathers, uh, that those people could come behind them and pick that stuff up. And that's how they took care of the poor in the land. That was the law of gleaning. Look at verse 9 again. And when ye reap the harvest of your land, thou shalt not wholly reap the corners of the field. He said, you look, you're not going to pick every single little piece up. He said, neither shalt thou gather the gleanings of thy harvest. Gleanings is talking about what, you know, uh, when I'd fallen there, he said, you're not going to gather that stuff up. He said, and thou shalt not glean thy vineyards, neither shalt thou gather, notice what he says, every grape of thy vineyard, thou shalt leave them for the poor and stranger, I am the Lord your God. He said, look, you're not going to pick everything up, the poor and stranger, that's how they're going to be taken care of, that's how they're going to be fed. Go back to Ruth chapter number 2. Ruth says, in verse 2, And Ruth the Moabite said unto Naomi, Let me now go to the field, and glean ears of corn, after him in whose sight I shall find grace. And she said unto her, Go, my daughter. This is what Ruth was saying to Naomi. She was saying, I'm going to go out and do the job of a beggar. 
She said, I'm going to go out and do the job of, of the poor and the stranger. Because guess what? She was poor and she was a stranger in that land. When, here's what I'm trying to get you to understand. When Ruth made a choice to serve God, she not only left familiar surroundings, she not only left her family, but she went to a place that she didn't know to become a beggar, to become poor. That's what it cost Ruth to serve God. I said, number one, the price of Ruth's choice. But number two, I'd like you to understand the peculiarity of Ruth's choice. You say, what are you talking about? Look at verse 4. And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem. You notice who, do you remember who else was born in Bethlehem? And behold, Boaz came from Bethlehem and said unto the reapers, The Lord be with you. And they answered him, The Lord bless thee. That sounds like a good boss, doesn't it? Wouldn't you like to work for a boss like that? He shows up to work, he says, Hey, the Lord be with you. And you say, Hey, the Lord bless you. <laughs> That's great, praise the Lord. He's a good, good man. Then said Boaz unto his servants, that was set over the reapers. Whose damsel is this? So he notices Ruth. He says, who's the, who? that, the word damsel there means a, a, like a young lady. He says, who, who's, this, who's this young lady here? Who's this girl? Verse 6. And the servant that was set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitish damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. Now I want you to understand this. There was something very peculiar about Ruth. That word peculiar there means distinctive or different. Not only did she have a price to pay for her choice, but there was a, something very peculiar about her choice. And this man Boaz, who's the boss of this field, walks in and he notices a young lady. He says, who's that young lady? That damsel there. And they said, well, it's, just, it's Ruth. She's a uh, Moabite. She, she came with Naomi. Remember Naomi came back and she came with Naomi. That's her daughter-in-law. And I want you to notice that Ruth was noticed by Boaz. And you say, well, what can we learn from that? You can learn this. Boaz represents Jesus Christ. Ruth represents you and I. You and I can live in a such a way that the Lord Jesus Christ Himself, the main boss, would notice you and I. You say, well, how do you get noticed? Well, notice how she got noticed. Look at verse uh, 6. And the servants that were set over the reapers answered and said, It is the Moabitess damsel that came back with Naomi out of the country of Moab. And she said, I pray you, let me glean and gather after the reapers among the sheep. So this is the reapers talking to Boaz. And they're saying, look, this is what she said. She said, you know, could she glean after? She came over here and she said, hey, would you mind if I, if I pick some of this stuff up that you guys are dropping? Because I'm poor and I'm a stranger and I, and I need the help. And, and, and notice what they said after the, the, semi, the colon there. Look what it says. So she came. Notice what, this is what they're saying about her to the boss. And hath continued even from the morning until now, and she tarried a little in the house. Do you know how Ruth got noticed? Let me tell you something. She's a hard worker. Say, I, I can't really seem to get ahead at my job. It just seems like like my my, my bosses don't notice me. You know, you don't want to get you noticed by your boss is just being a hard worker. You know when your boss wants to say, Who who's that? Who's that new guy? And they say, Well, he just started last week, but man, I'll tell you, since the moment he got here, he's just been working out. He only took one break, he went, got a drink of water and came back to work. When everybody else was out having a smoke break. <laughs> and that'll get you noticed. She was a hard worker. She was noticed because of her hard work ethic. Not only that, look at verse 8. Then said Boaz unto Ruth, Here's thou not, my daughter. He says, Go not glean in another field, neither go from hands, but abide here fast by my maidens. So Boaz says, Hey, I don't want you... He said, You know what? 
Don't go anywhere else begging. He said, just, just come here from now on. We'll take care of you. He said, stand by my maidens. Look at verse 9. Let thine eyes be on the field that they do reap, and go thou after them. Have I not charged the young men that they shall not touch thee? And when thou art athirst, go unto the vessels and drink of that which the young men have drawn. Notice what it says. You, you said, why, why did Ruth get noticed? Number one, she got noticed because of her hard work ethic. Number two, she got noticed because of her humbleness. Because notice, Boaz is being very kind to her. And he says, hey, listen, Ruth. They told me you're a hard worker. And I want to let you know that you're always welcome to come glean here. You don't have to go anywhere else. Just follow my maidens. Wherever they go, go after them. And you can, re- and you can, you can glean in my field. And he says, look, I've told the guys to leave you alone. That's good. He said, he said you can go. Uh, you know, they, they're drawing water. If you get thirsty, go drink some water. He's taking care of her. He's showing favor to her. And notice her reaction, verse 10. Then she fell on her face and bowed herself to the ground and said to him, Why have I found grace in thine eyes that thou shouldest take knowledge of me, seeing I am a stranger? Do you want to know what gets you noticed with God? Number one, working hard will get you noticed real quick. But number two, being humble. See, you notice Ruth does not have this entitlement mentality. Ruth doesn't have this, this, this thought, you know, Well, of course you're going to take care of me. I mean, I'm Ruth. You know what I'm saying? That's how you and I are today. We go to Jesus Christ. Well, of course you're going to take care of me, Christ. Look at me. I'm amazing. You know? But when God showed kindness, and when Christ noticed her, and when Boaz noticed her, and said, hey, I'll take care of you. She said, wow. She said, who am I that you would even notice me? She, had very, she was very humble. She's a hard worker. She was humble. But I want you to also notice why she was noticed. Look at verse number 11. And Boaz answered and said unto her, Look what he says. It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law. Now, you got to ask the question. Boaz, just a few verses ago, you're like, who's this? <laughs> you knew exactly who she was. He said, and Boaz answered and said unto her, it hath, Look what he says. It says, It hath fully been showed me all that thou hast done unto thy mother-in-law since the death of thine husband and how thou hast left thy father and thy mother and the land of thy nativity and art come unto a people which thou knewest not heretofore. See, heretofore. He says, Look, Ruth, I've heard about you. And I've heard about how you've been taking care of your mother-in-law. And I've heard about how your husband died. And you didn't have to take care of her. You didn't have to travel with her. You don't have to be out here begging. You don't have to be taking care of this stuff. But you've done it anyways. Notice what he says. Look at verse 12. He says, because of it, the Lord recompense. That word recompense means pay you back. He says, the Lord recompense thy work, and a full reward be given thee of the Lord God of Israel, under whose wings thou art come to trust. Go with me real quickly. Keep your finger there in Ruth chapter number 2. Go with me to the New Testament book of Galatians. Galatians chapter number 6. Let me tell you something. You say, I'd like to be noticed by God. I'd like to have the favor of God. I'd like to know that Christ is watching over me. And Christ is taking care of me. And Christ is, is looking. You say, how can I get that? Number one, get busy. Let me tell you something. Someone who's working hard. And someone who's, you say, well I'm poor and I'm needy and I'm a stranger and I'm a widow and I don't have anything. Look, just get busy. Just get at it. God will notice you. Your boss will notice you. But let me tell you something. Stay humble. Don't think you go, well I, I'm, look at me. I'm doing this. I'm going to stay humble. When that blessing comes, your, your, the attitude should be, man, who am I? But notice, she's also noticed because of her good deeds. 
See, sometimes in the Christian life, the Bible teaches us and the Lord Jesus Christ teaches us to do good things unto others even when others don't do good things unto us. You know, it's easy to say, turn the other cheek, but when you've got to actually turn the other cheek, it's a very hard thing to do. Do you understand what I'm saying? It's easy to say, you know, love your enemies. But when you've got to actually love your enemies, that's kind of tough. It's easy to say, pray for them that despitefully use you. But when those who have actually despitefully used you, and you to get down on your knees and pray for those people, it gets hard. And Ruth had done this great act where she had left her family, left her nativity, left her comfort zone, and said, I'm going to serve God. And when she gets to serving God, she finds herself as a beggar. And you and I might start thinking, why am I doing this? What is the point of this? But Ruth just stayed at it. She just stayed working. She just stayed humble. And let me tell you something. Her good deeds and her good acts were noticed. Look, at you're there in Galatians chapter number 6, look at verse 9. The Bible says in Galatians 6, 9, it says, And let us not be weary in well-doing. For in due season we shall reap if we faint not. You say, I, I'm not getting anything out of... You know, Pastor, I've been trying to live this Christian life. I've been trying to forgive others. I've been trying to do right. I've been trying to you know, be a testimony to my family. I've been trying to, you know... And it seems like I'm not getting ahead. It seems like I'm not getting you know, promoted. It seems like nobody's noticing. Let me tell you something. Just don't be weary in well-doing. Say, well, what do I do? Just do right. Just do right. You just mean old preacher said, do right, do right, do right to the stars fall. Do right. Let me tell you something. It's always right to do right. You say, well, if I do right, it's going to do me wrong. Just do right anyway. And be not weary in well-doing. So don't get tired. He says, be not weary in well-doing, for in due season ye shall reap, if we faint not. So you know what the beautiful thing about, you know, the Bible says you reap what you sow. You know what the beautiful thing about reaping what you sow is that it's a promise. It will happen. You sow good deeds, you will reap good deeds. But you ever try planning something? Now, I'm the type of person, my, my wife and my kids planted these, I don't even know what they are. What, what are those things up there? Carrots? Carrots and lettuce? They're planting these carrots and lettuce. Well, they tried planting, like, carrots and lettuce before out there, but somehow I killed them. And then the women had an activity where they planted stuff up there, but somehow I killed them, <laughs> you know. So now they're planting these other ones, like, over, like, away from me. And I'm sure I'm still going to somehow accidentally kill them. But you know what, you know, I, I walk by those little things every day and I look at them and I'm like, where's the carrots, you know? But here's the thing, you know that when you sow something, it doesn't, you don't reap it like the next day. You know what I'm saying? It takes a while. But the beautiful thing is that you know it's coming. That's why I was telling you, you know, I was telling you, just reap mercy, just, just reap mercy. I mean, sow mercy, sow mercy, sow mercy. He's like, why do you sow mercy? Because someday you're going to need mercy. You say, you know, just, just so forgiveness, just so forgiveness. Why, why should I forgive so much? Because someday you're going to need forgiveness. You're going to wish you, ought to, you would have forgiven someone so you can say, I need forgiveness right now. Just, see, if you sow a little patience, you'll reap a little patience. If you sow a little godliness, you'll reap a little godliness. The Bible says, be not weary in well-doing. You're there in Galatians chapter 6, verse 9, just skip, just go up to verse number 7. Look at what the Bible says. It says, Be not deceived. God is not mocked. For whatsoever a man soweth that, shall he also reap. Let me tell you something. You sow, you will reap. God is not mocked. Don't be deceived. The, the devil wants to tell you, Don't, why are you reading 
to church again and ain't going to do anything for you. Why, why are you still acting like that and dressing like that and trying to do right? It's not going to do that. That's, that's a lie of the devil. I'm telling you, that's a lie of the devil. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. That's a good verse and it's a bad verse. So how, how do you become make it a good verse? You sow good things. How do you make it a bad verse? You sow bad things. Be not deceived. God is not mocked for whatsoever man sows. That shall he also reap. Let me tell you something. Ruth, you can go back to Ruth chapter number 2, was a very peculiar person. And her choice of serving God was very peculiar. Others might look at her life and say, Ruth, you made a wrong choice by serving God. Look at you. You're begging? But notice, she, she was noticed. You say, well, why was she noticed? Because of her work ethic? Because of her humbleness? Because of her good deeds? I said, number one, we see the price of Ruth's choices. Number two, we see the peculiarity of Ruth's choices. Number three, I'd like you to understand the power in Ruth's choices. You're there in Ruth chapter number two. Just look at verse number three real quick. Very, very interesting. The Bible says, and she went. Remember, she asked permission to go glean like a beggar. And the Bible says, in verse three, and she went and came and gleaned in the field after the reapers, and her hap, do you see that word hap there, H-A-P? That's an old English word, it's where we get our word happened. It's saying, and it happened. It, that word happened means happened to be, or perhaps. It said, and her hap was to light on a part of the field belonging unto Boaz. Let me tell you something, there's nothing in the Christian life that's a coincidence. You say, you, you know, people say, man, isn't it amazing that, that we needed this and this, and, and it just happened to be that God happened to bring this. Look, nothing happens by, you know, nothing happens by coincidence. I often say, everything in your life is filtered through God. God knows exactly what you're going through. God knows exactly where you're at. Skip down to verse number 13. I want you to understand the power in Ruth's choices. Then she said, let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord. Remember, Boaz gave her these compliments. He said, the Lord recompense thy work. And she, her response was, she said, Let me find favor in thy sight, my Lord, for that thou hast comforted me, and for that thou hast spoken friendly unto thine handmaid, though I be not like unto one of thine handmaids. And Boaz said unto her, At mealtime come thou hither, and eat of the bread, and dip thy morsel in vinegar. And she sat beside the reapers, and she reached her parched corn, and she did eat, and was sufficed, and laughed. And when she was risen up to glean, notice he said, look, you can come have lunch with us, but when lunch was over, she got back to work. And when she was risen up to glean, look what it says, behind her back, Boaz commanded his young men, saying, let her glean even among the sheaves, and reproach her not. He said, you know what, just let her get into areas that she's not even supposed to be in. And he said, but don't, don't rebuke her, don't reproach her. And this is, this is, this is the, my favorite verse in this chapter, verse 16. He says, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her, and leave them, that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Do you understand what the boss just said to his workers? He said, he said you know, the law of gleaning is supposed to be that you're, you're here to make me money, so you're trying to gather as much harvest as you can, and only what accidentally happens to fall do you leave for, for those who are gleaning. But he said, I, I want you to do something, because I am the boss, right? And he says to workers, I want you to do something. When you're out there harvesting that corn, 
never going to know. Do you understand that there's a power in serving God? He says, I want you to take that harvest. He says, and I want you with handfuls of purpose, just leave them. So she can have... Now, here's what I love about God. You can tell that God's not into this welfare mentality because He doesn't just give her food. He still expects her to go out there and work for it, but He says, if she's willing to work for it, I'm willing to drop it. He says, and let fall also some of the handfuls of purpose for her and leave them that she may glean them and rebuke her not. Look, let me explain something to you. In our Christian life, Deuteronomy chapter number 8 and verse 18, you don't have to turn there, but the Bible says, But thou shalt remember the Lord thy God, for it is He that giveth thee power to get wealth. You've got to understand something in our Christian life. I've said this before. We don't play by the same rules that other people play. Your income and your wealth and your, you know, your ability to, to be provided for is dependent on one person. That's God, Almighty God. God will take care of you. God, you say, well, my, the choices that I've made have been dumb choices because I was trying to serve God and now I find myself being a beggar here. But you don't understand that God has a plan and God had a plan that a rich man named Boaz was going to take care of this young lady. There's no way to know that. Now here's what you need to understand. Go with me just real quickly to Matthew chapter number 5. The life of Ruth exemplifies what the Lord Jesus Christ was teaching in Matthew chapter number 5. Very famous verses. I'm sorry, Matthew chapter number 6 is where I want you to go. Look at verse number 28. The Lord Jesus Christ said, And why take ye thought for raiment? The word raiment there means clothing. He says, why, why do you think about your clothing? He says, Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, they toil not, neither do they spin. He says, uh, That, that, that uh, terminology there, toil, means to work. He says, Neither do they spin. It means the, the lilies of the field, they don't create clothing, they don't sew. And yet, I say unto you, that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed as like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is, and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore, notice what he says. He says, because God can take care of the grass, <laughs> he says, therefore... Take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of these things. Notice what he says, verse 33. But seek ye first the kingdom of God, and His righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself, sufficient unto the days of evil. That's the life of Ruth. So what can we learn from Ruth? We can learn this. Seek you first the kingdom of God and He'll take care of you. Ruth, it would have been very easy to, for Ruth to say, I, 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 I can't go to Bethlehem. I can't go to Judah. Uh, my family's here. My income's here. My job's here. My mom and dad are here. My friends are here. Uh, I better just stay in my comfort zone because I don't know that God's going to take care of me. But let me tell you something, Ruth. You, you, you make that choice and you seek first the kingdom of God. All these things shall be added unto me. Ruth didn't go hungry. She didn't starve. God took care of her. Now, here's what, here's what I want you to understand about Ruth chapter number 1 and chapter number 2. God puts everything in the Bible for a reason. In chapter 1, we studied and we learned about a woman named Naomi. 
And remember Naomi and her husband Elimelech? Because of a famine, chose to leave Judah and go to Moab. Now, uh, get this. They left the inconvenience of God's will to go to Moab, the world, to find convenience. And how did it work out for them? Not very well. You remember Naomi came back to Judah saying, Don't call me Naomi, call me Mara. The Lord hath dealt bitterly with me. Her husband died and her children died. Now here's the funny thing. Ruth leaves the comforts of Moab to go to the inconvenience of serving God, and God makes sure that she's taken care of. You say, what can we learn from that? Here's what you can learn. I'd rather be a beggar in the will of God than a rich person out of the will of God. If you would understand that God will... See, God doesn't... You say, well, I can't see that. See, see, Ruth couldn't sit down, and I'm all for writing budgets. Ruth couldn't sit down at the beginning of the month and say, well, uh, my rent's this, and, and I'm going to make this much, and, and I know Boaz because he's going to you know, drop handfuls of blessings. She couldn't say that. But she just said, you know what? I'm going to seek first the kingdom of God, and he'll take care of it. So let me tell you something. Just trust God. Say, well, I, I'm going I'm to make this choice. I'm going to serve God in this way. I'm going I'm to do this. And, and I don't know that God is going to say, let me tell you, God is always working on the outside. God is always working behind the scenes. God is always taking care of you. God is always taking care of me. God is always going to be there. And, and, and Ruth did not hear Boaz say to the young men, hey, drop handfuls of purpose. But he did. You understand that? And notice what happens. Go back to Ruth chapter number 2. We're done right here. Ruth chapter number 2. Notice what happens. You say, you say, Pastor, if I step out by faith, and I, and I do that, and I go down that road, and I serve God, and, and I step out of my comfort zone, you know, you, 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 people are going to think I'm an idiot. People are going to think I made the wrong choice. People are, you're going to leave that job, or you're going to leave that income stream, or you're going to leave that institution to serve God? Are you insane? Notice what happens, though. Look at verse 18. Well, look at verse 17. So she gleaned, right? Well, verse 16, they dropped the handfuls of purpose. Verse 17, so she gleaned in the field until even, and beat out that she had gleaned, and it was about an ephah of barley. So she, she gathers all this stuff, and she beats it out. She's a hard worker. She brings it, she measures it. She's got an ephah of barley. Look at verse 18. And she took it up and went into the city. And her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and she brought forth and gave to her that she had reserved after she was sufficed. Notice. And her mother-in-law said unto her, where was thou gleaned today? Now notice this. She comes home with all this corn. And Naomi says, Now listen, Ruth. I know what a beggar usually gets. <laughs> and that's not it. Are you selling drugs on the side? <laughs> what are you doing? Look what it says. Verse 19. And her mother-in-law said unto her, Where has thou gleaned today? And where wroughtest thou? Blessed, notice... Blessed be he that did take knowledge of thee. You see, you know what happens when you step out by faith? You pay a big price. You make a peculiar choice. You put yourself in a situation where you're vulnerable. Where you say, God, if you don't step in, I don't know how this is going to work. You know what happens when God steps in? People look at that situation and say, Wow, somebody noticed you. Man, God, you know, when people say, man, God must really be taking care of you. See, that's the point. That's the purpose. 
Why does God make us make all these decisions? And why does make God make us go up to the Red Sea? And why does God make us go to uh, to uh, 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 a water that's bitter? And why does God not? You know, why 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 do all these things happen where we have to ask God to step in for His glory? You know why God has taken Verity Baptist Church in the course that it has for the last year and a half, so that pastor, so that no one would say, "Wow, look at the work that Pastor Jimenez has done." Nobody would ever say that. But you know what people would say? Look at what God has done. See, that's the... If we're trying to do it in our flesh, it'll never get done. But when you just step out by faith, not flesh, but faith, and say, let your will be done, God steps in in a miraculous way. And sometimes you're looking at it and thinking, you're saying, how did you get all that corn? You think, I don't even know how I got all this corn. I, 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 I wish... I wish I could tell you the, the, the stories after story where I, I've literally... You can ask my wife. I've literally spent hours looking at our finances and doing math and thinking to myself, this doesn't add up. <laughs> how, how, did, how, how did this happen? We, we started with this much. I made this much. We spent this much. And, and then we've got this. And, and we've got enough to pay our... How did this happen? And I just think to myself, someone must have just handfuls of purpose. Just left them there. Where'd it come from? I don't know. But Naomi says, who, who are you living with? Well, this guy named Boaz? Oh, really? <laughs> Blessed be the man that took notice of me. Let me tell you something. You know what I want more in my life than anything? I want this. The favor of God on my life. So, Pastor, you want a big church? You want a, you want a nice car? That's what I want. God's favor on my life. So that I just know when God's in control and God's looking over me, things will work out. Even if I can't explain how they work out, I'll just know they work out. That's what you can learn from Ruth. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we love you, Lord, so much. Thank you for our church. Father, we love you. And I just ask that you would help us to be like Ruth. The type of person who would make a choice that may cost us to serve you. But we'll realize that it's worth it to serve God. It's worth it to make weird decisions. It's worth it to have family say, why are you doing that? Well, the Bible says to do that. That's weird. And then have God step in and take care of it. Father, we love you. Thank you for our church. In your precious name I pray. Amen.